0: I don't know who needs to hear this, but it's time to spread more love and stop living in survival mode. Hey, y'all. What's up? It's Ashley, and this is The Platform. On this episode, I'll be talking about survival versus love with my co-host, Cynthia. Hey, Cynthia.
1: Hey, Ashley. How are you
0: feeling?
1: I'm good. I'm excited to get into this conversation today.
0: So I want to start by asking you, what do you feel What's your definition of survival versus love? Like, what does it mean to you? And what are some pros and cons? Um,
1: To me, living off of survival is just acting on impulse. Well, being raised off of survival is acting on impulse. And being raised off of love is just having more understanding, being more compassionate. Um, I guess for my pros and cons for survival especially coming from uh, a broken home it's easy to be quick on your feet um easier to be understanding to other people and you know their low points and the cons will be acting on impulse um especially when it comes to more emotional situations um being guarded uh kind of having narcissistic tendencies being an opportunist um and being codependent on other people trying Mm -hmm. to you know fill that void um as of love for the pros i guess people that was raised out of love are loyal they have um healthy boundaries Um, understand self-worth, and are more compassionate to other people. Um, Some of the cons are they usually sometimes get taken advantage of, um, and sometimes they feel entitled because they were raised with such love and such, um, I guess, dignity that they expect the world to bow at their Mm. feet the way their parents
0: did. Well, I understand what you're saying. And I want everybody to know that Mm -hmm. this is our opinions and based off our experience with our, our life. Um, So it might not apply to everyone, but we are kind of just giving our opinions, our view from it. So for me, some pros and cons of survival. First, let me say both are needed. Like the skill survival is way different from survival mentality. So when I'm speaking on survival, I'm not speaking from a place of, you know, having the skills and the tools to survive, but more so the unhealthy perspective and the mentality of, you know, being raised off of a survival. So for cons, I think that they are victims as well. So they accept mistreatment and I like to call it the at least syndrome. So what that is, is your parents raise you, they invalidate your feelings and your experiences, and now they're like, "Well, you can't talk back because I take care of you. You can't talk back because I feed you, I clothe you, and all that other good stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? <clears throat> so now you develop the at least syndrome and you get around people, whether it's partners or friends, and you develop this, well, at least they're taking care of me. At least they're, you know, giving me money, at least they're sheltering me. And then, you fall victim to feel like you have to deal with what comes with it because they're taking care of you. Pros to being raised off of survival would be, I feel like those people are very loyal because once they really grow, like you grow on them, they will ride out for you Um, because they know how it feels to take a bunch of losses with people. Um, And sometimes I feel like you think from a realistic point of view. Now, when you're raised off of love, I think that you have qualities of empathy, you're supportive, and you like to give people the benefit of the doubt. However, the cons are that people assume that you're a pushover um, and that you, you get tried often. Sometimes you accept mistreatment because people minimize your problems. For example, if I'm around people who experience life from a different lens than I do, they always invalidate my experience because they feel like, well, at least you had this, at least you had this. And then you grow up feeling like, well, then my problems don't matter. And now I have a bunch of unhealed feelings and unhealed trauma that I feel like is trauma, but I don't speak about it because I feel like it's not relatable. And you know nobody's actually gonna take me seriously. And now I put myself on a back burner because everybody else did as well. So I want to just ask you, because like I said, I was raised off of love. You were raised of survival. So at what point did you think, if you did, like transition over to the other side? And if it's not fully, then halfway, some type of balance. At what point did you transition?
1: Um, I transitioned when I was introduced to motherhood. It was... I had to embrace this new experience of love. Um, You know, just being open and being present, having to allow somebody, loving somebody other than myself. Mm -hmm. Um, That's when I transitioned. And even then it still took some work and still is. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't only it was just up until a few years ago that I realized, like, oh, snap, I'm really Mm -hmm. living off a survival mode. And I've been so comfortable in it so many years that I never even realized Mm -hmm. that that's what I was doing.
0: Okay, well, motherhood changed Well, pushed you over to the other side. Obviously, the tools that, you know, you grew up on, you realize Mm -hmm. that you don't want your child to experience it in the same manner. Um, which is what we had discussed before when we are like, it either makes you bitter or it makes you better. Like some people, they don't recover from that cycle. So mm-hmm. they'll inflict what they've learned on their children and then continue the cycle, you know? And then some of some like you, they want to break that cycle. So you right. start getting out of your comfort zone and you sit there and you try to teach the best that you can, but at least you're doing it. You're not following the steps of, those who um, raise you to the best that they could because they probably grew up off of survival as well. So for me, like I said, I grew up off love. However, I didn't transition into survival mode. It was more so my situation. I was put in a situation where everybody else was in survival mode. And I felt like very, very uncomfortable. So I used to live in a group home um, growing up as a teen. I was in the group home for a little while and I went in blindsided, <laughs> like completely blindsided. Because when I went in, I was like, you know, giving people the benefit of the doubt, thinking like, you know, this is unfortunate, but this is just a stepping stone in life. I was thinking from an optimistic point of view, like this is I'm just here and I'm about to just take this as a lesson. And learn from it and grow from it Mm. however when I was in the house everybody was like looking at me like side eyeing me people think I'm fake because I'm just too nice you know they're just questioning me you know this it was just very very it made me uncomfortable so it made me feel like okay cool well if y'all treating me like this then that means that y'all are like that too because for me I feel like if I see you from a point of view I'm seeing you how I view myself and what I'm capable of. So if I'm capable of love, I'm viewing you with the lens of love as well. Like you're capable of it too. So I'm mm-hmm. automatically thinking like, okay, if they're viewing me like this, then that means you're capable of it. Not thinking like, okay, this is, they're probably not like that, but they're experienced, they experience something like that. So it made me uncomfortable. And it put me in a position where I had to be super guarded. And I feel like this will connect to how me and you met each other when we were in college and how I viewed you versus how you viewed me because when I met you I was fresh out the group home starting Mm -hmm. college Um, so I was already going through that process that I've never experienced before so I was heavily heavily guarded so do you want to you know talk about how we met each other. <laughs> oh
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, it's funny how you say you were heavily guarded. Cause I actually, at that point when we first met in college, I think my son was two years old mm-hmm. and I was just learning how to be open and how to be embraces. Um, so when I first seen you, I attempted, um, with you and I think that first interaction was pretty cool because we were talking with um Greg Mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken that was fine it was the second time when I had Mm -hmm. said hi to you and you kind of like looked at me and gave me a little slight smirk but it was kind Uh of one of
0: those like huh? yeah (laughs) Yeah, like this girl don't want nothing she (laughs) go ahead
1: right right I hope this doesn't go past the hello,
0: right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, and I remember sitting down in class, thinking like, "This half I went out my way, said hi. <laughs> You're not even gonna acknowledge me, or even acknowledge the fact that I tried, right?" Um, so I was surprised that towards the end, when you had spoke to me, mm-hmm. and I was I was thrown off guard, um, happy that it happened but it just kind of made me think like okay well maybe I was just projecting my insecurity Mm -hmm. onto you not realizing well you know what maybe that's just her look that's just who she is it's not that she was standoffish because you know when you come when you're coming from a survival mentality you're Mm -hmm. guarded you're quick to oh well you know what I'm going to push everybody away
0: because the people that were supposed to be there they left, you know what I'm saying? Or um or the people that were obligated, like the titles that they had, whether it was parent, whether it was um blood, they didn't absolutely you that's exactly they didn't have your back.
1: Right, right. You know. Um, so I thought that was that was um pretty cool because that's something that I really never experienced mm-hmm. with anybody, especially with the environment, you know, we grew up in, it's right everybody's not
0: so nice <laughs> right. we from the Bronx by the way we from the Bronx from the right <laughs> um, for me when I met you I had the whole defense mechanism on like I was super guarded I went to college to you know try to just try something new I had took a break from after I graduated I had a long gap I was in the group home and then I came I didn't really want to make friends I just wanted to get myself in and out because i feel like i just went through something traumatic too on my you know from my opinion and it's so crazy that i said my opinion like if you can tell i'm still minimizing my experience right because i yes. feel like there's people who actually been through through the like through the survival thing They are, they grew up in group homes they you know been through the system and i feel like their story matters more than mine but in the when sense, it shouldn't to- yeah, I, I have to get out that mentality because, like I mm-hmm. said, being raised off of love, a lot of my experience was minimalized and put to the back burner. So I don't really explain a lot of how I feel because I know people have it worse. Right. So when I met you, I was like, OK, she said hi to me. But her demeanor, like her face, she had resting bitch face. You, you Many of y'all know what that is. <laughs> and I suffer from <laughs> it, too. You know, I can't help it sometimes. But she said hi to me and I was just looking at her like okay cool like I don't want to have a conversation but I was like dry and standoffish and then I was like that's not right because I had to think about it and the next day when I came to talk to her I was being very talkative and very active and I was like because I saw something in her that resonated with me and I turned on that I put my guards down turned on that lens that I'm usually looking from and I was like well if she has the resting face like me, then that means that she could be a good person just like I am. So I should give her a chance. And then, you know, cool. We started talking and thank God she accepted me. Because had you were you not a mom, I feel that you wouldn't even have given me the chance to interact with you the second time around. You would have right. just been like, I don't have time for this wish washy stuff. I don't have time. She had her opportunity, she had her chance. You can't let me down twice. Because a lot of us are afraid of rejection. So Mm -hmm. once you got rejected the first time, it was more like, girl, you ain't getting the second time. Right, right. So and I think rejection is a key factor that can bring people who were raised of survival and love together because we both fear rejection. Mm -hmm. You have been, you know, cast out from a lot of people's lives and a lot of things and you know, you don't have the genuine connections that you would like to have that were supposed to be given to you by your family. Um, And then for me, it's more like I've been looked down, like, girl, you don't fit in. Like, you know, you're not like me, stuff like that. And a lot of the world is raised off survival more than love. So I definitely felt like I didn't fit in with the majority of people that I was in school with, working with in our common areas. So rejection is something that we... All deal with. So we're gonna get into how we actually stopped talking. The first time we stopped talking was because of a, a controlling relationship that I was in when we were younger. And then as we got older, the second time that we stopped talking was because of the relationship that she was in. So I don't know if you want to like elaborate on that. Yes,
1: uh, the relationship that I was in at that time was very toxic. Um, very codependent on each other Mm -hmm. um, where I isolated myself. I didn't, he in a sense, didn't want me to speak to anybody either. And I allowed that.
0: Mm -hmm. And And I feel like that goes hand in hand with the at least syndrome because at least you're feeling, you know, loved or at least you're feeling right. Yeah where I was accepting
1: to it exactly Mm -hmm. because I didn't experience that where I was just like oh wow I got this little the sense of family where I'm gonna try to keep it by any means necessary and in a sense he kind of like I think in a sense he knew that looking back at it now where he played on it heavily Mm -hmm. and um you being my friend you've never you've never kind of like um downplayed him or even tried to separate me with him but always try to be like okay well you know what you need some some time for yourself and that made me push you away but then I would only come when I had problems and I needed to speak and I needed to vent or when we were separated and I needed Mm -hmm. just to go like you know just to vent to a girl it wasn't right neither and I guess at that point, which was, it made sense, you know, why would you want to be friends with somebody that's just one-sided? You had to stop speaking, um, not speaking to me, but had to stop and right, Mm -hmm. responding to me right away. And that forced me to be like, oh, okay, well, what? I don't mean anything to you. Mm -hmm. What I'm going through right now doesn't mean anything. And that made me separate from you and you know just isolate myself even more and I guess looking back at it now a simple conversation could have saved so much time and so much not even unnecessary drama but just so much distance and had there been more understanding
0: I just want to speak on I'm going to get back to what you were saying but I just want to speak on something that you said where I wasn't answering you right away you know one thing that I said that was a con for love was being a punching bag or people Mm -hmm. pushing you over not saying in the sense that you were actually doing it but it was a kind of like a a light way of doing it right um a lot of people who operate from love see things and feel like they have to deal with certain things you know so that they don't look like the bad guy Mm -hmm. and my message would be to promote healthy boundaries and it might upset you like it, is, like it did upset you. However, anything worth being is going to be reconciled in one way or the other. And I'll go into that um, after we finish talking about this. However, right. I just didn't want to push the message of, you know, if you operate from love, you have to give people chances. You have to do this. You have to do that. You don't really have to but there's a way you can go about certain things in a healthy manner. You see, when you were mad at me, I didn't fight fire with fire. I didn't argue back with you. I didn't do certain things I, you know, we just kind of like drifted apart. And in a sense, I feel like that's love. And I feel like that's extending grace as well. Speaking of grace, um,
1: you had actually reached out to me and extended that olive branch, which I feel like a lot of people won't do. Right. Um, especially when you have a very, very strong character, you yes. know, where somebody you know your worth and it's like, OK, well, you know, you kind of played yourself and you you still went out. and I,
0: Yeah. See, in a sense, too, with extended Grace, I also did want to give more advice, which was where I was wrong. I do not feel like I should have cut you off or like you cut me off actually you stopped talking to me however I felt like I could have pushed myself a little bit more it was something personal for me though I could have pushed myself a little bit more because of your the situation you was in so I want everybody to use their discernment to figure out what's worth it and what's not worth it I don't feel like me just going along with it was worth it because I realized that you know you are I'm seeing it I was seeing it from a pride point of view, but the bigger picture was that you were actually being emotionally abused and I felt like I could have been there more for you. Yes, I don't have to answer you as soon as you write me back, but I could have just ignored the lash out and just wrote you the next day like, hey, what's up? Or it gave you a week and wrote you the next day, but I really didn't answer you after the last lash out, which Mm -hmm. made you completely block me. Like, girl, you ain't even going to reach out to me. I'm done. <laughs> um, because I knew I knew you have to see sometimes the bigger picture in things, you know, well, like I said, you don't have to, but it's good to see things from a different point of view. So when I did ex- extend the olive branch, it made me super, super uncomfortable because it tapped into my childhood traumas. It tapped into my fear of rejection
1: Right. And I felt right. Like, oh, this
0: girl, this and that was girl. a lot
1: for you, right? <laughs> yeah, it was like it was
0: really, really a lot for me. And I feel like people get lost in that cycle. They don't right. reach out. They don't do a lot of things because it takes them out of their comfort zone. Mm. And I realize a lot of times, like people flock to people who operate like them. I flock to people who operate out of love, so that I can avoid uncomfortable situations like the one that right. me and you were in. You operated with people that are like you. So you don't even have to set yourself up to get rejected. Like you felt like I rejected you. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because you move with people that move like you and y'all don't really put down your guards. So it's comfortable for you. Mm -hmm. So I feel like to break that cycle, we have to start being okay with being uncomfortable if it's going to be for a better cause to a certain extent. And I always say to a certain extent, because I don't want you guys to overextend yourself and put yourself in a super unhealthy situation now, because see, love is supposed, if you operate out of love, love is supposed to extend outside of those who show it back.
1: You're right. Absolutely. There's
0: so many ways that I could have showed you love, even without reaching out to you. Like, Let's say you were malicious and you were like dogging me out or cursing me out. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to reach out to you. An example of a way that you can still be the solution versus being a part of the problem is not fighting fire with fire and being an example of what to be versus what not to be. So, for example, the way I extended the olive branch to you, that gave you two examples in your life. Sometimes when you fall out with people, They push you away. They'll bash you back. They'll spread your business, stuff like that. That's the hate. Mm -hmm. The love part is I reached Mm -hmm. out to you. I didn't bash you. I was kind. In my life, I experienced love and hate. Had I not experienced both, I wouldn't really know what not to be, what I don't want to be. I did not want to be hate because I didn't like the way it made me feel. And Mm -hmm. I felt the energy coming from those who expressed it expressed hate and I felt that and I realized I don't want to be that person and I don't want another person to feel the way I felt I experienced love so I was aware of hey this is what I want to feel this is what I want other people to feel a lot of people that operate from survival never had anybody show them that love that patience so (laughs) they don't even have an idea of what to be they just know what they are so me extending grace to you made you realize like, wait, hold on. Now, when it happens again to me and the next person, I could either show grace or I could return the favor back to how other people made me feel. Right. But <clears throat> people have to understand to break the cycle, you have to set the tone and set the example. So you could you don't have to be somebody's punching bag. However, you could spread love. You don't have to sit there and retaliate you don't have to even sit there and overextend yourself but somebody one day is gonna look back and be like well I know how I'm what I'm used to but I know what this person made me feel and I kind of like the way that made me feel because let me tell you when people experience stuff on a day-to-day basis they pay it no mind it becomes norm right Mm -hmm. You, but you always remember something that was different, something out of the norm. So if I'm um, guarded, heavily guarded with you, you ain't paying that no mind. But when somebody is, they let down their guards around you, you feel that. And you're going to remember that for the rest of your life. And remember that everybody has a season. So a person might not come around now. But later on in life, when they get older or they reflect on certain things, they're always going to remember how you affected them because you were different. Right you were different from the rest. So I'm pretty sure like you argue with a bunch of people and you're used to that. But the fact that you opened up your request box and saw an inbox from me, I made you feel worth it. I made you feel like, damn, I have value. Like if you didn't ever feel value before you felt like Wow, somebody out there really values me as a friend. Yes, you know, I'm glad you. I'm
1: I'm glad you brought that up because <laughs> um, prior to this friendship, you know, I'm somebody I invest in my friendships. You mm-hmm. know, I'm I'm all in there. You you know how I am,
0: of course.
1: <laughs> um, you know, and it's always it's always out of love. I've never I know I don't do things cause I expect something out of return, And I always ran into the, I always ran into people that I always gave more than I received. Mm-hmm. And so when I did cut them off because I was upset and I was already like fed up because it was always a one-sided thing, I was always the one extending that olive branch. Mm-hmm. I was, even though I wasn't wrong, you know, I could have went about things a little Differently, but I really wasn't wrong. I still ended up feeling like I had to. You
0: know why? That's a trauma response. Let me tell you why. It's a trauma response because you feel like I'm just going to reach out because you're. I'm scared to let go. I feel like
1: I'm not going to be able to replace you. I feel like I'm never going. to Or in a sense, like
0: how I felt was, I reach out sometimes because I feel like, well, am I that replaceable? that you didn't even come and you didn't reach out to me. So I didn't want you to feel the same way I felt, you know, in my life before. I didn't want, and that's what I mean by example, Mm -hmm. you think differently. You realize there's love and there's hate and how you felt and how you don't want to make other people feel. So I reached out to you because I didn't want you to think that you were not Uh, that you were replaceable or that you had no worth or our friendship meant absolutely nothing. And even if I didn't reach out to you, I didn't fight fire with fire to validate you in your own way as well. Mm -hmm. Though maybe you can reflect one day and be like, well, wow, she didn't come at me and I came at her. So she probably, what we had was really real. Even if we don't rekindle, you know, and you can sit with that in your heart that I like the way that felt. You might not like the way it feels at the moment because I'm not fueling you back up and you can't, right. like, but now you have to sit with that and you have to reflect on that. And then now you're like, okay, cool. I like how this feels versus how it feels at the end or long-term after I don't spill somebody's information or they expose me or now we're going back and forth. I yeah, like that's a, than, you know, mm-hmm. cause we've all been in those situations before right. and I I feel like if a lot of people, even if you if you operate from survival mode and I'm not even going to say survival anymore, I'm going to just call it guarded. If you are a guarded person, you don't have to act on it. Start to open up your mind. Right. Open up your mind. You know, start with yourself. Be vulnerable with yourself before you're vulnerable. With others. Start with your mind. Start trying to see and think from different perspectives. Think about what you've been through in life. And think about what you felt at that moment and think about if you're, you are causing that same pain to somebody else. And it might not be the case for the next person, but when you operate like that, if you reach and touch one person out of five, you're going to feel better. Like that you might run into four people and it might not resonate with them, but that fifth person, if you operate a certain type of way, because like for you, there's many friends that I didn't do the same with. Mm-hmm. There's many friends, that, but I just, the cycle to me just felt so draining. And I'm like, well, what would I want somebody to do for me? So then I began to think from the unguarded. And I was like, you know what? Take the chance. And even if she doesn't reach out, it will be a sting from rejection. But I know that when she sees my message, one day she's going to sit there and reflect on that. She's That's exactly
1: look- what happened, Right.
0: And, and even though you might be the person that feels like, well, that person is not going to reflect on this. That person is not going to care if I reach out to them. They might not show it because they're guarded. But things happen and everybody has their season. And everybody has that season of reflection. Trust me, whether they want to, whether it's on their deathbed, you will still be a factor. And you can be a factor for the good. Or you could be a factor for the bad. And when people reflect, the bad brushes off. The good stands out because it's not what they're used to. So if you think that you're not having an impact on somebody, good or bad, trust me, you are. But the good is always going to outweigh the bad. I'm telling you guys, the good is going to outweigh the bad because you give people the option to see that there's two types of ways to be in life. And now they have the choice and the example to imitate. So with that being said, I just want to close out with a little statement for y'all. Life is about risks. However, love is a risk I'm willing to take to break the cycle. So let's learn and grow in love together. Later, y'all.